Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, this is Kat Lee, and you are listening to the Inspired to Action podcast number 19. And today is a super fun episode for me because I'm going to be chatting with my friend Kristen Kill. Now, Kristen works for Sally Clarkson. She writes, and uh, she writes well. She writes at her blog, HopeWithFeathers.com, and she also helps manage all the contributors that write for Sally's site as well. And I've known her for a couple of years now, and she is just fun. You're going to hear her and hear how sweet and kind she is. But the reason we're talking today is because. She lives a life extremely different from mine and possibly extremely different from yours. I know we actually have listeners from all over, and I'm going to be sharing a little bit about that later in this episode. But Kristen um, has four kids and and a dog, and they live in Manhattan. So we're going to be talking about some of the crazy nuances of raising four kids in Manhattan. I mean, you don't take cars. You don't even have a car. You take the metro everywhere and uh, just fun, interesting things, but also we're going to be talking a little bit more seriously about teaching our children independence. Uh, You're going to find out how old her daughter was when she started navigating the New York City metro alone, which frankly, I've never even done. Um, And we're going to talk about a family fun night activity that you don't want to miss. But before we jump into that, I want to give a shout out to a few of you who have mentioned the podcast and what you're doing while listening to the podcast on Instagram. So a shout out for to being stepmom who was driving in the car while listening to the episode with uh, myself and Amanda Carroll, and Things Pondered was in a little bit of a traffic jam while listening to it. And then there's a couple fun ones. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce this probably, but it looks like Manju Sarah Jacob was on a Dutch bus listening to the podcast. So that's kind of a first. And I actually I, I actually am a little bit Dutch. My grandfather um, was Dutch, I believe. And so, so it's kind of funny when people often ask me, so what's your nationality? And they're usually referring to the Filipino because that's what stands out. And so sometimes I just like to say that I'm Dutch and that just totally <laughs> blows their mind. So anyway, so and then also Taylor Irby was listening to the podcast in some traffic in Sarajevo. So cool. How fun is that? Anyway, so just a big shout out to all you guys listening all over. We um, have surpassed the 50,000 download mark. Caleb Radio tweeted about last week's episode with Amanda Carroll. So fun things are happening with this podcast, and I just want to thank you guys. Thanks for leaving those reviews on iTunes. Thanks for mentioning it on Instagram. I do love seeing where you guys are when you're doing this stuff. And sometimes I wish that we were closer together, like New Life Steward on Instagram mentioned that she was doing dishes and at that specific moment in time I happened to have a big pile of dishes in my kitchen so it would have been fun if we could just all do dishes together but oh well anyway so thanks for um, sharing about the podcast uh, especially the last week's episode with Amanda Carroll I um, I know it had a huge impact on a lot of you and I know one comment in particular someone said that the episode and what Amanda had to share stunned her into gratitude. And I think that was a very appropriate way to put it. So thank you guys for sharing it. Uh, I know that there's a lot of moms out there that need to hear some of the encouragement, some of the truth that um, these people have to share. So thanks for putting that out there. So a quote uh, that I would like to share with you that has been rolling around in my head lately, uh, it says, the most important thing is to be able to, at any moment, sacrifice what you are for what you will become. Think about that. I'll say it again. The most important thing is to be able to, at any moment, sacrifice what you are 
for who you will become. And that was by a guy named Eric Thomas. And I, I love that quote. I love it. It's just such an immediate way for me to put on different glasses, to pivot, to change my perspective immediately on what's happening, because I want to be able to, at any moment, sacrifice what I am right now for the person that I will become, the person that God made me to be. So whether that is um, working a little bit harder on getting this podcast episode out to you, or for example, right now on the Inspired to Action Facebook page, we're doing a motherhood boot camp where we are going through Sally Clarkson's new ebook, The Ten Gifts of Wisdom, and we're discussing a chapter every day. So it's been a ton of work, really, for me to, to you know, get everything ready for it, to prep for it. And um, but that quote just inspires me. You know, I want to be a great mom for my kids. I want to learn. I want to grow. And so maybe right now I'd rather just go surf Facebook and do something mindless. But instead, I'm going to f- sacrifice what I am and what I want to do right now for who I want to become. So I hope that quote challenges you and encourages you this week. And I would love for you to join in with us on the Motherhood Boot Camp. It is going for this week and next week, so uh, November 4th through the 15th. And you can jump in at any point. We're just discussing a chapter a day, and I'd love for you to be a part of it. Then also next week, Sally Clarkson is going to have an e-conference, and she's invited uh, Ruth Schwenk and I, me, She's invited me. She's inv- I never know how to do that. Hi, my name is Kat. I'm a writer. Um, she's invited Ruth Schwenk and Kat Lee, how's that, um, to also be a part of it. So I'll include that link in the show notes. Um, and she's doing the conference next week. It's all about her book, Ten Gifts of Wisdom. And uh, Ruth and I are going to share a little bit on um, some of what we've learned and some things that we hope can encourage you. So we'd love for you to be a part of that as well. So without any further ado, you're going to, this episode, I had so much fun titling it Motherhood in Manhattan. So we're going to chat now with Kristen Kill and hear about how she raises her kids in Manhattan, about how we can teach our children independence and make sure to listen for that family fun night idea. And if you do it, I hope you will Instagram it because I want to see how it goes for you. All right, here we go. Hey, Kristen, how are you? Hi, Kat. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Where Now, you are recording from a very luxurious location at the moment. Um, uh, you're in a stairwell, is that right? I'm in a stairwell, yes, <laughs> in New York City. I'm at Redeemer Presbyterian Church, looking out over 83rd Street at a dumpster. So it's really special. Very cool. You know, my husband, I think, tried to go there the other day uh, or like a couple weeks ago, and there was a line and he couldn't get to church because it was too crowded. Really? Is that oh. it? Maybe it was that one. Maybe it wasn't that one. But for some reason that maybe... There is a, there's another church I know of that has a line almost every week. Okay. I, I, I want to see. He's really into Dietrich Bonhoeffer right now, and it was a church that had something to do with him. Oh, there is the author of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's biography lives here in New York City, Eric Metaxas. So uh-huh. maybe he was speaking somewhere. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, if, well, if yeah. I, maybe I've heard of your church because you, is that your church that you're at? It is our church. Okay. Yep. And I'm here for a women's group and I just stepped out. I have just sort of my sweet day to hang out with girlfriends and get to study the word together. And um, you probably have heard of it because our pastor is Tim Keller okay. and he gets he kind of has a lot of books out and people have heard his name before and that might be why. 
Very cool. Very cool. Well, for everybody listening, so I've known Kristen, for, I don't know how long have we known each other? A couple years, I guess? A couple years. Yeah, yeah. we know each other through Sally Clarkson. And, um, well, for everybody listening, uh, I would just like for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your family. Okay. So, my name's Kristen Kill, and Kat and I know each other through Sally, and um, I work kind of in the blog world, editing all the mom heart writers that work at Sally's site, I take joy.com. And Kat is one of those gals. And so we got to be connected that way, um, which I love. And I have four kiddos. Um, they are 12, almost 10, seven and five. And we live in Manhattan, New York, in New York city. Um, my husband is a director of a software company here in town and, um, it brought us here about three years ago from Washington State. And, um, yeah, our life is sort of like a little bit of a fish-out-of-water story and a little <laughs> bit missionary story. We were, we've we always had a draw and a heart for missions and had always dreamed about living in a, in a big city in the United States and being able to have our lives kind of be poured out um, in that way, in a, in a culture that was sort of— um, post-Christian culture, kind of post-modern thinking. And so we were really excited when we had a chance to move here. So now we're just kind of trying to figure out what it looks like to raise kids in a really different paradigm and a really different culture than what we were used to in our own childhoods and what we're even used to as adults, I guess. Yeah. I mean, for everybody listening, you can pretty much tell that Kristen is not from New York City from her really sweet, kind voice. Not saying that if you're from New York City, you have a mean, loud voice, but obviously you don't have that accent. So how does, you know, how are are you good at hailing taxi cabs with that sweet, sweet voice of yours? Yes. And, you know, it's funny because everyone says that New Yorkers are really, like, there's a sort of impression that they're really hard and mean. And <clears throat> I think we're a little bit more like efficient and get it done. That's one of my favorite things about life here is that there's, <laughs> I'm a little bit type A and there's all these sort of amazing systems that sort of make life work because it can be so complicated. I think when you have, you know, 9 million people like living in, what is the island's length? I think 13 miles long. Wow. Like you would either kill each other or have <laughs> to know how to get things done well, you know? So I think that it comes down to a little bit more of like, we just like it the way we like it a little bit. And it's funny because the longer I'm here, the more I become that way. And when I leave, and we usually spend our summers on the West Coast with family. And when I'm there, I start getting irritated about things that aren't like, you know, well thought out. And I realize <laughs> like, it's really has changed me a little bit. But um, most New Yorkers are so kind. Like we've never... I've never experienced actually like the kind of help and care like on the street from total strangers at the level that I have here Mm. anywhere else. Like people really, really are sweet and loving. So it's kind of, I think it's a myth about New York. I think we're just efficient, but we love each other. (laughs) So, you know, what is it like you have, I mean, you have four kids, which is a challenge in and of itself. Yes. It's crazy. So you, yeah. Yeah, how do you do that in New York City? Because you don't you don't have a car. You don't have a backyard. We don't have a car. We don't have a backyard. Well, we live right near Central Park. And that's the thing, too, about the city. It's just a different paradigm. Like, you have to relearn your patterns and your dynamics of 
what life looks like day to day. So for us, instead of sending the kids outside like I used to do while I would make dinner, we all go to the park together and we all play together. So it actually has brought out some really sweet cohesiveness in our relationships. It makes me stop and have to play with the kids just really because I'm forced to sometimes Um, because our oldest is able to, well, maybe this is a whole other topic. She's able to walk around by herself now and can take usually about seventh grade is where kids make a transition where they're doing public transportation alone. Um, In middle school is where kids in the public school system just get a Metro card to go and do that themselves. Um, get to school by the bus or subway. Um, there's no more buses for the schools after elementary school. Um, so kids get independent a lot earlier. So she's able to run out and meet friends and do that. But um, but the younger kids, we are, we we have to go outside with them. So it it just is a different. It's a different way of of kind of coordinating our life and working. And we ha- we do have a car that we keep on the West Coast, but we don't have one here. We've thought about shipping it multiple times, and we just can't bring ourselves to it because we'd have to street park it and move it twice a week for garbage pickup and the street sweeper. Um, parking it in a garage is really expensive, and they get dinged up. And really. Everyone who has a car doesn't use it in the city. Mm. It's just for use on the weekends. So in the city, it's so much faster to walk or or take public transportation, usually a subway. It, it would take twice as long to drive anywhere. That's so, so crazy. I remember you telling me at one point in time, you told me how much it costs to uh, park your car in a garage. And I want to say it sounded comparable to a Texas mortgage for a house. Oh, really? I know. You know, Texas mortgage like sites are, or like real estate sites are pretty dangerous for us here because <laughs> we could like live in a giant mansion for what it costs <laughs> to park your car. But the, um, yeah, I think it's, I mean, maybe the average is, I don't know, anywhere from 400 to $600 a month. Wow. Maybe. And that, and that's, you know, I, I don't know if it's even a benefit. I just talked to a friend the other day and their minivan had a bunch of miles on it that they realized was not from them. And so I think maybe it's still a risk when, when you do that. And How does that happen? It. Well, because it's like valet parking, you turn it in to someone, oh. like they park it for you. And when you show up, they pull it out and bring it out to the street for you or out to the to the driveway exit. And so somebody garage. wanted to joyride in a minivan. <laughs> yeah, they have your keys. So I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, so we have we've thought about it, but we aren't we aren't sure. Well, wow. Wow. So so then how do you do groceries? So we do everywhere delivers. So that's kind of great. Think about life in the city as like a little bit it's kind of European in the sense that everything is very pedestrian. And central, like central public transportation is essential to everything working. So we go down to the little corner store for some things, but it's super expensive. Um, I posted a, um, a shot of a half gallon of milk on Instagram the other day. Did you see that? I did. I don't remember what the amount was. dollars and 49 cents, <laughs> I think. And that was because it was local and convenient. So we have a Trader Joe's in the city that I use often, and then I just have it all delivered. Um so I can go there and shop and then um, pick a delivery time and they they bring it to my house like within four hours usually. Okay. Um, there's another – there's like online grocery stores as well that I use those more in the winter when I don't have the capacity to go to the grocery store because mm-hmm. ours is about 
Trader Joe's is about 20 blocks away. So it's a bit far for me to walk to in inclement weather. So um, you can shop online like on an app or on the, on the, uh, the website and then it get you pick the delivery window for the next day. And depending on how late in the day you've made your order, you can get it anytime from 6 a.m. to you know midnight the next day and they bring it all to your house. So the del- delivery fees are all worked into... Um, to all of those places, basically, depending on how far away you are from the grocery store or um, I think the online grocers go to all the different neighborhoods. So it's just a flat rate. So that's pretty much how we do it and and how we do everything. Like I use Amazon a lot for toiletries. Um, Soap.com is a like uh, add-on to diapers.com and they have like you know, Tide laundry detergent and toilet paper and, you know, Clorox wipes and all of that kind of stuff. So we buy things that way and they just show up at our door the next day. Wow. So that's pretty much how we roll. Yeah, it's Man. good. It makes it easier. I kind yeah. of feel like all the different things we've done here will probably inform what we do if we ever live anywhere else because it really has simplified my life a little bit. Yeah, except Texas because they're at least in the small Texas town that I live in. There's no such thing as grocery delivery, and if they if there were, I would I would write songs to the delivery people because right? that I would know. be so so incredible if it's I could so just great. you know sit in my backyard, click click click. Okay, and then the groceries show up. How awesome! Well, and you're like my most techie friend. Like everything that I learn about, like what kind of apps I need, and everything is from you. And so, you might love. There's this other site that we use a lot called Seamless Web, and you like put in your address and you keep your credit card, you know, on file with them. Which I don't know how comfortable most people are with that. I just feel like it's kind of the way we have to do things. But you keep it on file, and then it opens you up to hundreds of restaurants. So if we want to have Thai one night, or we want to buy bagels for lunch, or we want to have omelets be delivered, it goes to all the restaurants in our delivery zone. And you just pick what you want off their menus, which are all centralized onto Seamless.com or the Seamless app. And then... um, because they have your credit card on file with Seamless and all these businesses coordinate with them, you just are able to like click your tip amount and it's done. And you click deliver. They have your address and your account made already. You don't have to do it like with a new restaurant every time. Mm. So so then it just shows up like in 20 minutes. And that's the thing I miss when we're not in the city because if I'm like – rushing around or we want to have a healthy meal like we can have like fresh amazing thai food delivered in 20 minutes wow and that and that's kind of awesome well it's not just pizza yeah you're you're making me want to live in the big city because that's the only delivery option we have is pizza and right (laughs) yeah it's totally great for moms like that you know, didn't prepare well, mm-hmm. didn't, which is me often. <laughs> so it helps. <laughs> so I want to hear a little bit more about your 12-year-old navigating the metro. So right. how did you... It does that scare you to death? Well, it usually yeah, makes I heard people that... a little worried about us. No, no, it doesn't make me worried about you. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, like back in the day, kids navigated the wild woods with bears and lions and tigers. Oh, my. Um, right. And, and, but, you know, so I... It doesn't make me worry about you. I, I personally, like my daughter, can you know, we've 
only in the past year or so allowed her to go around the block by herself. Right. Oh, so, yeah. We're completely limited. Our kids are completely limited when we visit family in the Northwest. Like, um, they do not have the kind of freedom. Well, our oldest doesn't have the kind of freedom that she has here. And it drives her bananas. <laughs> like, she can't cope because she feels so kind of, like, closed in to just, you know, she's at the age where she wants to go be with friends and explore and yeah. do things on her own. And yeah, I just don't, it's funny. I just don't feel as safe, like in a small town. <laughs> so tell me, so how bad. You, tell me how you got to that point. Like what, how did you get to the point of being like, okay, she's old enough. Like, did you walk her through the process of stuff? How did you get to that You kind of place? start to see what the capacity of your kids is when you're here. The biggest thing I would say again, is like shift your perception about what New York is like. I realized that since New York really got clean, up in the 90s, um, we've seen photos, you know, of what it looked like in the 80s, even in Man- Midtown Manhattan. It was not safe. And so now, it, I mean, it is an incredibly safe city. Imagine everyone of every walk of life from, you know, millionaire hedge fund managers to, you know, even people that are, you know, living on the street are all on a sidewalk together. You have every walk of life, you know, out and and in public constantly. There's not really this sort of walking down the sidewalk by yourself thing. Mm-hmm. You're always with people and shop owners and and moms and dads and professionals and everyone is on the street at the same time, on the subway at the same time. And so there's sort of like that safety in numbers mm-hmm. a little bit, just that they're they're not alone. And there's and there is um our oldest is incredibly savvy. Um, and so I think it's different, like every age of when a child's ready for that, they'll be, will be different gauge based on the child's personality and what they can handle. Our second daughter, who's 10, it'll probably be a little bit later for her just because of, of her personality. But, um, we basically just started in little ways. Like she wanted to run across the street to grab a bagel or a muffin and a juice, you know, and it felt safe to us because we knew that she knew it well. We knew right where she was going. She was in eyesight. Most kids, including her, have iPhones or some type of, you know, way to contact them for safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start just kind of, um, we really found ourselves. Um, attaching ourselves to families that had older kids so that they could kind of mentor us through the process. So when you see moms, especially like my 10-year-old now, um, when she and her friends are together and there's multiple moms together, we use those times to teach them about what they need to be looking out for. Um, typically, most moms I know, we we prefer that our kids not be in groups larger than four when they're together because then they get distracted and they're not mm-hmm. as focused. But it's a lot of training them of how they work together. Like standing back a little bit, letting them, you know, know, kind of feel it out for themselves and and training them as we go. Um, and then, and training them and talking about it, like while we're on buses, while we're on trains. Um, there is something, even my littlest of kids, like our, our youngest just turned five and, and even she is so savvy in the street. Like, um, and most kids are like preschool age, and above, they're all on little scooters because we walk everywhere every day. There's some rules, like we always stop at the corner of a building, not the corner of the street, so that mm-hmm. they don't get too close to the curb, that there's not cross traffic. Like there's just sort of this whole new grid mm-hmm. of the way that you look at things. But it really just came down to us trusting her and trusting her friends and feeling safe. Like she definitely has boundaries. There's certain um, she's really only allowed in our neighborhood. We live on the Upper West Side. And then um, 
we just started letting her go on the subway to a babysitting job that's right in our neighborhood alone. Before that, she had to be with at least a friend, another friend. And they have boundaries of streets that they're allowed to be between. She's never allowed out after dark. I'm, you know, we're really safe and smart about it. She always has her phone. Um, but it does, it does offer a lot of independence. Usually after youth group, which used to be on a Sunday afternoon, she and her friends would go like to Starbucks or visit Claire's or go to Barnes and Noble and then just sort of all drop each other off on their way home. Like as they kind of went through the neighborhood, like Mm -hmm. by each other's buildings and you just sort of build your confidence. But it really has come down to talking to other moms for me that have gone through it with their older kids that could mentor us through the specifics of what we needed to do and how to, how to give her that liberty, I guess. Yeah. I love, I mean, I love that. I love that. Where we live right now, there's, um, the specific neighborhood we live in is kind of older. There's not a ton of young families Mm -hmm. and um, it's the outer boundaries of our neighborhood um, are, you know, a little bit busy streets and uh, there's no shops really to walk to except maybe like a convenience store. And, And I just remember as a kid, it was so cool to go do that, right? Yeah, yeah. And well, and I had an older brother, so that probably was a much different dynamic than my current family like my kids situations and so, but I remember mm-hmm. we would ride across town like and and I grew up in Brownsville Texas which is you know it's it's a city so it's not like a, a little hamlet or something but right. it, it, we would ride across town on our bikes for like an hour and go to the mall on the other side of town and then ride our bikes back and I remember that too. You know, and my, I've talked to my mom multiple times about it now. Like, were you not just totally scared to death letting us just run around and do stuff? And and she she always felt really safe and like we were fine. And mm-hmm. I'm I couldn't imagine my kids in our small town where we're from doing that mm-hmm. even now. And it is different. I mean, it's a different sense of what you feel safe with your kids doing. Yeah. But it's so empowering for them. Like she she just loves it, and it lets her have – I mean, she has a sweet little friend that they love to hit the local thrift stores near us, which is adorable because they're <laughs> really interested in buying their own clothes and sort of putting pieces together. You know, it's total middle school, and it's great. And so and so she'll have a friend that'll just meet her at our corner, and they'll go to those little local places. And I don't know that she would get that that kind of freedom and autonomy mm-hmm. um, that's also really feels safe to us yeah, in well, any, any other place. Yeah, I mean, I think I really I, I like that because in, in Texas you need a car really to get anywhere, um, right. unless you're a marathon runner or a long distance bicyclist. You have to have mm-hmm. a car to get anywhere, and so yeah, we we love opportunities when we are somewhere and we can let our oldest just to go off and do something. That might be the mall, or that might right. you know just be the grocery store. Uh, yeah, the the biggest opportunity I have for my kids really to have any kind of independence is when I go grocery shopping. I'll I, you know, I guess you probably are still familiar with this, but when I go grocery shopping, even though I have my list in order of aisles, even though I have everything on my list and I'm all ready to go, I always miss things. I always, always miss things. And so now that my girls are a little bit older, I will just send each of them on an errand to go get whatever it is that I forgot. So it's so great. I don't ever need to double back in the grocery store anymore. And That's awesome. But that's the only place really that we have an opportunity just to let them run run free. Not that they're skipping through the aisles of H-E-B, but, you know, they. I like that they can at least, you know, go off in that small space. But I love that your kids have that opportunity to, to really just 
be independent and and I love that. So Yeah, and it, it's certainly not without a good measure of fear. Mm-hmm. Like I really have to struggle. I have struggled with it and I've struggled and had to pray through my my wisdom and discernment and deciding what was okay, what wasn't, what felt right, what feels like too much. And, and even when we know it's right, like sometimes my husband will just have to hold my hand and be like, no, she can do this. Like, mm-hmm. let her try. I'm definitely the more, I'm the warrior among us, yeah. the two of us. And so it has been harder for me, but it, it's, we're kind of beyond that now with her, like where we really can trust her fully and, and, um, she has such confidence and it's, it's actually brought a lot of confidence to me as a mom to like have been stretched and see it turn out really well. Mm -hmm. And it's Um, so great for her. You know, when she goes off to college, she's just going to be a champ. (laughs) She's going to be. I hope so. It's funny when Sarah May was here visiting us, she stayed, she's, she and her family have come and stayed with us a few times and, and Hallie directs us of what where what trains we need to be on and where we're going because we usually bebop and tour all over the city and she really does know it better than me and I think that most of it's sort of like with computers or with our iPhones you know our kids just like pick it up so much faster Mm -hmm. and my kids have done the same in terms of train maps and where things are and navigation in the city so it kind of begs the question for me of it, it felt so big for me to come here and have it be so different and have it feel so big and overwhelming and like a ru- being on a rushing subway platform, you know, still exhilarates me every time that a subway train comes. I get like this sort of like butterflies in my stomach of, of you know, like how you feel like right before an airplane takes off. I get yes. like that at the subway. And so I wonder if that is something my kids have acclimated to and they're so used to it. It makes me wonder what they are going to have a capacity for. Like, mm. if if I am able to trust them, like, to figure this out, like, what is going to be their thing that exhilarates them? Maybe they're all going to go be farmers. They probably will. <laughs> but but there's. It makes me just wonder, like, what's the next? What's the next groundbreaking thing for them? Because mm-hmm. this is starting to become very commonplace, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like that to me at all. But of course, they've adapted so much differently. Oh, that's so, so great! I, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and while while you're talking, when when you mentioned the farmer thing, because I was beginning to be a little bit sad that my kids don't get a chance at that. And but then my husband's family has some property that we go to every now and then. I'm like, well, that's a great place, you know. Instead of being nervous about coyotes and snakes yeah. and wild boars, see, and that stuff freaks me out. Yeah, like it really does. Like because my kids have no, like street smarts about how to handle themselves in the great outdoors. Well, like we really mine don't. are working on that. Yeah. <laughs> mine don't either. Well, then I'm like, what do I, so I, do I, do I send, we haven't really, we haven't really let them go off too much by themselves there, but you know, I want to, but then I'm like, what do I do? Do I send my 11 year old daughter off with a 22 in case she encounters a wild boar or we just give her. Are there wild boars in Texas? Is that a thing? There's wild, there's wild hogs, I guess I should say. You know, I've never been to Texas. Like this year's Mom Heart Conference in Dallas will be my first Texas trip, and you have to take me to get Tex Mex. Oh yes, you've been about it for I will. years. I will. I need to find a really we we who did I go there with? I went somewhere with somebody recently. We went to a good Mex. Tex- I'll have to remember which which restaurant it was. I think it was when I was there for Declare. We went to some good. I can't wait. Yeah. Well, because we have, I, I mean, when you say like wild boar, I'm like, well, you're going to be in, live, like, gonna... in another country, in another continent. Is that a thing? <laughs> I have no idea. You're going to be in Las Colinas, which is like a really nice part of Dallas. So oh. there's not going so to be any wild hogs or rattlesnakes. We might need to take 
a field trip. Or coyotes, yeah. Maybe we'll take you on a field trip to the ranch and you can step in some cow patties. And I would love that. Go <laughs> yeah. shoot pumpkins. Well, but that's what sort of – so that's like the really interesting paradox. Like our kids get so excited and crazy about like normal suburban things that are just second hat to us as their parents. <laughs> and it's so wild to watch them – um, kind of light up about like these normal things. And it's, it's really fun. But yeah, one of our daughters in particular really, really misses the kind of space that she has like in the country and, mm-hmm. and in the suburbs. And so I think she'll probably hightail it out of New York, but everyone else really loves it. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, that's fun. I would love, I love trying to get them at, outdoors as much as possible yeah. because I just don't want their whole life to be cement. Mm. But mm-hmm. Central Park's nice for that because there are so many parks and playgrounds, and Central Park is so huge. It's actually on a grid the exact same size as our hometown, like with the city limits wow. of our hometown, which is pretty funny. <laughs> so it has its own ecosystem and several ponds and lots of different different kinds of um, ecology, even mm-hmm. in different parts of the park. And so you can feel like you're in the country when you're there if you can't get out. I think that's the first. That's the first time anybody's used the word ecology on the Inspired to Action podcast. So (laughs) that's funny. My husband was a marine biologist before he worked (laughs) in tech, so I think it's just part of the vocab in our house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I want to know. I want to with people coming at New York City having being a certain thing, which is probably not even true. Tell me how you raise godly children. In the city, tell me about where they go to school, what you're doing for school, and and how all that works. Okay, so I think that there can be a lot of different answers to that question. Right. right. Our uh, we were homeschoolers before we moved to the city. Um, it's pretty it's pretty celebrated and very commonplace in Washington State to be to homeschool. It didn't feel really out of the box to us at all. Um, and I come from a family of educators, and Josh's mom is an educator as well. So. I guess in that sense, we felt like we were a little bit rebellious in our own family doing something different. But, um, but in, in the sense of like culturally, it felt very normal to us. And we thought we would just transition and it would be super easy to do that in the city too. Um, but it, it was like, we stepped in time like 15 years because it was so, it is so out of the box here to be a homeschooler. Um, the laws are really different. And so it's been a really big struggle for us to figure out how to make that, sync up with life in the city and with community and relationships for our kids. But we're still kind of plugging away at it and then started a co-op here in the city with Classical Conversations this year. Um, we were traveling outside of the city to New Jersey um, once a week for a co-op um, there. And now now we're in the city and really hoping that that will be a big piece of um of how we can, I guess, sort of help homeschool families to have roots and some sustainability Mm -hmm. in what that looks like here. And really, it comes down to just being, it's a little bit choppier here to do that form of education than anywhere else. But a lot of our friends, um, the public school system is wonderful in a lot of ways, but really complex in a lot of ways too, because it's all by application. Um, Even public like elementary schools. So it's been a little tricky for us to walk and and sort of navigate. But ultimately, whatever kind of education you're doing with your kiddos, I think the biggest thing is um, giving them a sense of a kingdom purpose of your family and what that looks like and um, 
the the model of how we disciple them has been to really just live life alongside them in every way that we can and get to listen and hear their hearts and let them know that they're a part of something that's bigger, like in the everyday movements of our family and in syncing up with relationships and um, being a part of initiatives in our church. Um, this year, um, a lot of families um, of elementary school kiddos at Redeemer started a midweek kids community group program, which has been absolutely beautiful because so many of our kids are all over the place in different in different types of educational settings. Um, and the population of Christians in the city is, I think it has risen to 2%, but that's wow. 2% of 9 million. So it was less than 1% of the population. And I think it doubled sometime shortly after 9-11. Um, but the kids community New groups have been beautiful because it's been an opportunity for our kids to come and worship together. After school, there's like a little homework room at Redeemers on the West Side Ministry Center. And then um, and then the kiddos have been able to have worship time and then break into grade levels for some teaching and then break into smaller groups for prayer, like small little small groups where they're, they have a leader that is um, – really invested in pouring into them. They're able to share prayer requests with one another in very much the same way that we would think about community groups traditionally in church, Mm -hmm. but for our kids, specifically with their peers. And that has been a totally new game changer for us because, um, because New York really is transitional. Relationships here are difficult to build because people are leaving all the time. Um, people come and they kind of do something professionally and their kids are here with them or maybe they're here right out of college until their kids are a certain age and then they bust it out to the suburbs. Mm -hmm. So to be here and choose to be rooted here um, is hard because our kids are, are, we haven't had a year yet and we've been, we just hit three years in August, but we haven't had one year where our kids have not had to say goodbye to close friends. Um, And so, and for us too, like there's just a lot of goodbyes and a lot of, I know. I just, it kind of feels like a college town, maybe similar to where you guys are Mm because you're so close to Baylor. Um, But it is, it sort of is, there's a revolving door. So the kids community groups have been beautiful because it's given our kids a weekly anchor into community with their peers and to really be able to carry each other's burdens and be able to worship together and to feel like they aren't alone in in the rest of their life in the city. And I think that's really the thing. We just we just pray that God would give us wisdom and discernment in how in what they're to be involved in and what their weeks and days will look like and what schooling will look like and that they'll have opportunities to serve, that they'll have opportunities to have margin at home and that um we can be teaching and training them and pouring into their life and the things that are important to them and and training them in God's word and then that they'll have opportunities w- within our greater community to sync up and be missional but then also to sync up with kids that are like-minded that can really link arms with them and so so that's been a huge blessing to us this year to have that that anchor for them I've, I've seen it change the dynamic within six weeks in our home already. And wow. that's kind of been really surprising. I didn't think it would it would be so significant, but um, but it's been huge. So I'm really thankful for that. Well, I, I would imagine, too, that living in a city where the 2% of the people are Christian, where as I live in a place where probably 98 profess to be Christians, you know, right. whether or not they live like it, 
um, it, it seems like it could have the potential to really solidify things in your kids a lot more than in a place where it's the norm because obviously it's a it's right. an abnormal it, choice from the people around them that they're choosing to make and it becomes, it's very countercultural yeah for sure and and you're right like it's one thing it it's we forget and it's so easy to like look when our kids are struggling or um, things aren't seeming to take root or they're struggling with sin. Like it's so easy for me to think, oh, it's the city. It's because we're living in this immoral place. Like, oh my goodness, let's get out of here. And then I remember like, oh, this would be going on anywhere. But there are those things that we miss about a larger, like broader cultural norm of, of, um, of being Christians, but the beauty of it is that there's a very clear line of faith, mm-hmm. like for us and for our kids. Like you're kind of not messing around if you say you're a Christian because it will bear consequences. A good, we're a good friend recently. We're going through a study on public faith right now and what that looks like to bear your pay, your faith publicly um, and not hide it. I guess. And one of my friends said, I feel like if I say that I'm a Christian, there's actually a physical recoil that I can see on mm. someone's face. And that, and so there's a whole, yeah, it's a whole different dynamic for our children, which is why I think that midweek community group for our kids is so huge because they need to have a place where they go, they go to link arms with kids who, whose families, you know, are have similar convictions and similar values and are pouring into the city with a very similar heart and yeah. not feel so alone. Cause that can be no matter what we were doing school wise, I think it could become a very lonely place for them. Yeah. Well, so like, community is key. Yeah. Last night, um, our church every year on Halloween does for the, for the middle schoolers, like fifth and sixth grade, they do an outreach on one of the big streets where people go trick or treating, and they just pass out lemonade and they pass out water, and then for oh, like, I love it for like three three weeks, maybe four weeks before they have all day practices on the weekends, and so the kids learn these incredibly powerful dramas. The kids do dances, and then the kids learn how to share um, their testimonies of what God has done in their lives, and um, and so this was last night. And it is so, I mean, honestly, every year I go and I'm like, I mean, I'm so not going to cry watching 11-year-olds do these dramas. And every year I cry watching the 11-year-olds do the dramas and seeing the responses in people's faces. And while I, while in the very first time we went, I was really hesitant because my kids aren't often exposed to fearful things. Um, I, mm-hmm. I'm really sensitive to that sort of thing, so I don't like to watch anything. I mean, we change the TV during commercials because we don't want to watch you know, mystery yeah. commercials and stuff like that. So, so to go out there and you know, there's kids and just and grownups in any kind of costume you can imagine. And yeah, and it's don't you think the boundaries are getting pushed further yes, and further? I noticed yes. that last night yeah. too. I was a little surprised. But you know, the, so so I was nervous taking my kids there because my oldest is probably one of the more sensitive ones. And but it opened up some incredible conversations, and because she was she was um. She could have gone, been safe and just not done it because you didn't have to do it. And she should, could have just gone to the church fall festival. But she absolutely adores 
doing this and she adores going out there and mm. and then at the you know after they do they do like several sets of uh, I think it's like a puppet show and then a drama then a dance and then somebody shares and they do this like for several hours throughout the night and then in between each one they ask if anybody wants prayer and then the fifth and sixth graders go out there and pray you know I saw kids praying with grown men with their kids um, obviously it's safe and there were other adults with them but you know just kids just stepping out and being brave and last year at there were, oh, I, I don't remember it. the numbers but like so last year my daughter got to pray with this kid to come to know Jesus and it, it, it's this place that's you know, as we're talking about just independence and stuff and um and and you being in a culture where it's not normal necessarily to be a believer um just like for my daughter last night it was really instrumental for her to step outside of that comfort we had amazing mm-hmm. discussions last night she was stretched last night she had to totally rely on jesus to give her words to share with kids that she didn't know that wanted to pray with her you know and so i think with That's you living beautiful. where you live it's just great that you get those opportunities and in small ways we get those here too but um, but that sounds amazing. You've shared so many things like that about your church community. Like they, it sounds like they have such a heart for seeing kids equipped and yeah. able to use the gifts that God has given them. Like and really join in and be a part of the body of Christ and the body of the church. And that is huge. Mm-hmm. I think it comes back to that idea that our kids need to know that they're a part of something bigger. Like mm-hmm. being a Christian is not about moralism. It's about living a life that is transformed and renewed and being a part of something that that is really quite epic in Mm -hmm. bringing restoration and renewal to those around us wherever Mm -hmm. we are. And really, I mean, the logistics of life here are really complicated in a lot of ways, but it it doesn't really look very different than anywhere else. I mean, we're on the playground, we're getting together for play dates, we're meeting people for dinner, we're having people over, although that's a little trickier because, of course, we all live in such small spaces here. Mm. But um, there's so much of that. um, It's such small, it's small little details of just letting our kids be released into the gifts that God's given them in everyday, really regular ways that they can show love and care and so but knowing that they're a part of a kingdom purpose wherever they are is is big so i think it's just ways just like you're you giving your daughter the independence to go and figure out the metro and figure out stuff just we as moms can do that with our kids spiritually so like one thing that we do as a family that's just super simple is every time we hear a siren every time we hear a siren we um say okay who wants to pray for the siren and so mm-hmm. then one of our kids volunteers and prays for, you know, whoever the police officer was or the firefighter or the ambulance and whoever might have been hurt. And, and just and it's just something, just this small thing that we do um, and asking them kind of just to rise up. We could just hear the siren and be like, oh, look, there's a siren. Um, but it's just mm-hmm. a small thing that we do that's not... Um, that's kind of ingrained in them. So even now, if we hear a siren and maybe I'm doing something else, they'll be like, mom, are you going to pray for the siren or can I pray for the siren? And so just as moms, there, you are kind of put in that situation of helping her grow up. But, you know, with suburban moms and just spiritually, we can choose um, to help our kids just take those big steps of independence and they'll rise up to it, you know? They really will. And that's the thing, like, those little patterns, those little anchors that we get to pour into their lives, like those little habits, they really do take root. And that is the most beautiful. 
I love your analogy of that because it really is the way that like trusting that they're going to be able to bear fruit in situations Mm -hmm. where we've always kind of, you know, I guess maybe managed for them is a huge, huge feeling as a mom to let them go in those things. Mm -hmm. But, but that, that really is the case. It is such a huge thing as a mom to see your kids excelling and to see them, to see them taking it on and to see them thrive on their own. And I think there's such a, there's something to be said for, giving our kids all of those types of opportunities in their spiritual lives and in practical things when they're home and under our roof because they will fall on their faces just like we do. And to do that in the safety of of um, of our homes and where we can be able to come alongside and guide them back and then and see them and encourage them in the in the gifts that they have and seeing them rise to those challenges and continuing to spur them on because I know Hallie was afraid the first time that she went on a train or I'm sure your daughter the first time that she went and up and prayed for someone it's not the most normal feeling to do mm-hmm. to, you know to step out like that and they need us to continue to to give them confidence to bolster them in in being able to step out in those things. Mm Then I think that's not something I expected as a mom. I kind of thought it would, like they, I guess I didn't, I really didn't consider the independence that they would begin to have when they were home as much as sort of like the end point. But it's really beautiful to see. It's like the unexpected cool part of having kids this age that Mm -hmm. I never, I never anticipated before. Mm -hmm. But it is, it's beautiful. Um, well, you know, Kristen, we're coming up on the end, but I just had a, um, a quick idea that I want to challenge everybody listening with. Um, so my church, the children's pastor of it has always said to the kids, he'll say, you guys are not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today and God can use you right now. And, and I mm-hmm. think that's an important thing for us to speak to our children. And so one thing that they've done that I honestly, it just always makes me cry when they, I, I cry, I may cry easy. Um, but one thing that they I do that, that I challenge you guys to do in your homes um, this week, and if you do it, I want you to tag me on Instagram because I want to see pictures. Um, get a bunch of address labels, you know, the peel and stick kind, um, and then have a little family night and say, okay, kids, God wants us to encourage one another, and He wants to speak encouragements through you. So we're going to sit, we're going to listen to this one worship song, and uh, then we're just going to ask God what encouragements that He has for each of us. And so they, the first place that we did this was at summer camp one year, and they gave kids address labels and Sharpies. And they, they, they did this. They said, let's listen to this worship song. Let's ask God what encouragements we have for one another. Then I want you to write them on there, and then I want you to go stick it on the person. And by the end of that hour, there were kids walking around just covered in, in stickers. And, you know, saying, woman of, of God, um, joyful, um, lover of life, encourager, whatever. And there was this one boy that that had some, uh, you know, people just walking up to him would look at him and say that he had some uh, challenges, um, physical or, or mental challenges that, you know, would make it harder for him to, to accomplish a lot of things in life. And he had a sticker on him that said, nothing missing, nothing broken. And I just, I was like, man, God can speak through children. And this was a camp for kids, I think it was first through maybe sixth grade. Maybe, yeah, I think first through sixth grade. And just, um, 
I just love that. And so I just challenge you this week to sit down with your family and just see what they come up with. It might just be filled with nice, kind, happy, funny. That's great. But just give them a place to start and leave that gap of expectation. You might not know what to expect from your kids, but just like when you're in a conversation and if you leave a long enough pause, somebody else is going to talk. And it's the same way with our kids. If we give them a big enough gap and expect something from them, they're going to rise up Mm -hmm. into that. And so if you do that, if you get those address labels and ask your kids to just encourage each other and and even you guys and you put stickers on your kids and they put stickers on you, um, I want you to take a picture of it and tag me on Instagram so that we can see that because I think that is a really powerful thing that, that we can do just as moms to challenge our kids and give them an opportunity to rise up. Um, so Kristen, I love it. Where can we We're find gonna you? We're going to do that. You're going to do that. Awesome. Tag me. I want to see it. I will. I always get my best ideas like that from you. I started knowing how to take a mom planning day from you oh, before I'd even ever met fun. you. You're the best ideas. <laughs> well, I want to know no, that sounds good. where we can find you online. And, okay. um, and, and so, so yeah, first tell us where we can find you online. Then to wrap up, For the mom who's listening while doing laundry, maybe going for a midday run on a treadmill, um, and she's about to encounter the second half of her day, what encouragement would you give to her? Okay. So online, you can find me. Is that what you wanted first? Yeah, that's what I wanted first. You can find me at hopewithfeathers.com. It's my blog. And I'm editing over at Sally Clarkson's blog with the writers that are there, and you can find me there sometimes too. Um, at itakejoy.com. And then um, on Twitter, it's just at Kristen Kill. And it is kill like murder. I say that all the time so people know how to spell it. But kill, Kristen Kill. And same on Instagram, Kristen Kill. Um, and okay, so the big thing that has just been stirring on my heart for moms as an encouragement is, and maybe this is because I live in New York and people are doing, it feels like everyone I know is writing a book or on a talk show or doing all these big things that feel so in, enormous to me. Or, or even when, I mean, even just our friends that are bloggers, it feels like how are they able to get all of this done when I truly, like most days, just cry when I'm folding laundry because I don't know if I can keep going. And I had a friend recently who who commented on a blog about influencers in New York City. And he said, I can think of 10 moms off the top of my head who, if they're, if they're absent, if they were absent from the New York City playgrounds, if they were absent from the ability that they have to encourage the moms around them and to love on kids around them, there would be a deep hole and deep gap felt in our city. And I realized that that is really, that is really true for moms everywhere, for women everywhere, that it's not about a platform. It's not about a book. It's about creating a message with your life in the hearts of your kids, in the hearts of the women that you're going to see when you pick your kids up from school and that you play with on the playground or that you go have coffee with or you're in a book club with or PTA with, that there are places that you have an opportunity to love into and care for women into, that if you were not there, there would be a gaping hole and that that it would be... um, a missed opportunity for women around you and kids around you to to experience God's love. And that that is big. That I think that's the big kicker for me. Like being small, having a having a small life that has an integrity of a message that's written on within within my life every day and written on my kids' hearts is the big thing. And that's a really big deal. And I just don't 
I want moms to know that. I want them to know that in being small and cultivating integrity and a message that they write in the lives of their families, it's big. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my big takeaway lately. So good. So good. You know what? Liz <laughs> For me Griffin, too. Liz Griffin, a couple weeks ago on the podcast, shared a phrase that I love. She says, you know, when we're moms, and I've probably quoted this in every episode since, but I just think it's so good. She says, when we're moms, um, our life gets really narrow. But narrow yes. isn't small. Narrow, God, you know, narrow is just fewer things. But it doesn't mean that what we're doing is small. But that it's just narrow. And I don't know. She said it way more eloquently than I just quoted. <laughs> but um, I just love that idea that. And I've heard somebody else say something like, you know, CEOs are replaced every single day, mm-hmm. um, and professional athletes and great singers are replaced every single day. But mm-hmm. and they're forgotten. But um, a mom isn't replaced and isn't yes. really isn't replaceable. Um, right. Your so. kids only you're the only one who can do this job mm-hmm. for your kids. Mm-hmm. That's been a huge thing for me recently as I've even looked at priorities and other things that I'm involved in. I'm just like there there is a whole bevy of people who could do this. But there's only me that's able to be a mom mm-hmm. to these four kiddos. Mm-hmm. And so um yeah, it's just, it's it's created a lot of peace in my heart to rest in that and to embrace it. So, so it's been good. good. Well, Kristen, thank yeah. you so very much for joining us from thank your you stairwell in New York me. City. Hey, it's <laughs> fun to get to talk to you. I miss you. I know. So it's good. I'll have to, I'm sad I didn't make it up to New York City as I was hoping with my husband's work schedule, but maybe. You'll get here. Maybe he'll have another client there. Maybe we'll just take a trip. Yes, I hope you do. (laughs) Well, Kristen, thanks for joining us. To everybody listening, I'll have all the links to this episode in the show notes so you can uh, click through and connect with Kristen online. And uh, Kristen, we will talk to you later. Thanks, Kat. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, that is all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope you enjoyed that a little glimpse into motherhood in Manhattan. I'm so sorry. I just love that phrase. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Um, anyway, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this episode. And I hope it's encouraged you. I hope it's been fun for you. And I hope it's uh, challenged maybe your thoughts about independence, about maybe some ideas on how you can uh, help your children to be more independent. And if you have any ideas or suggestions or questions for me or for the podcast or any ideas of people you'd love for me to interview, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com, click the contact button, and send me an email. I would love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would love it if you just take a minute to go rate it on iTunes. Like I've said earlier in the episode, that's going to help moms find it and get some of the encouragement and a little bit of entertainment and um, inspiration that so many moms need in the midst of their days. My goal with this podcast is to feel like a pep talk. So if you're listening to this while your kids are napping, if you're listening to this before they wake up, or if you're listening to this at night, or even, you know, maybe you're at the park while the kids are playing, I want this to be a pep talk for you where you feel like you can just go attack the rest of your day, attack tomorrow, and just be inspired as a mom. So as always, you can check out all the notes for this session and any links that we mentioned at the blog, inspiredtoaction.com. And you can download any of my free ebooks or my free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. So my name is Kat Lee, and I think you know what's coming next. Uh, I want to wish you a wonderful day with your family. And remember, you are a mom, and you really are a big deal. Now go be awesome. Later.